You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.Church. We've been talking about intersecting grace and how we are on a journey, like I'm on a road, and we come up to intersections and how God desires to intersect our life. We talked about how sometimes that happens and we're surprised because God just shows up and engages with us. And maybe through people, through surprising situations, maybe through good situations, maybe through hard situations. But God is coming and joining us here in this life. I also believe that God has promised in certain ways to meet us here in this life. That's what we looked at last week with the idea of baptism, that God says in baptism, as you surrender yourself to me, I will be there. I will bring you into myself. I will make you a part of who I am. I will bring you into the salvation that is available in Jesus Christ. And you will forever be my child. You you will become a new person, a new creature, a servant of mine. And just as God, the Father, and His voice and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove into Jesus the moment He was baptized, so whenever we are baptized, we engage with and intersect the grace of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And this week, we're looking at the table. When it comes to our Sunday worship service, the most important part, the central focus of everything we do, not that... Giving is not important enough that singing and praying aren't important. They are. But what brings us together and what brought the earliest Christians together was this idea of taking of the Lord's Supper, gathering together to share around the table of the Lord and to take the bread and the cup, which is for us the body and the blood of Jesus himself, and to share it as the body of Christ. And we're going to do that after this lesson this morning. And to gather around the table is no small moment because, like we've been talking about in this series about intersecting grace, we believe God is there. We believe Jesus is there. We believe the Spirit is there. Whenever we are gathered around this table, we are where we belong. We are at the right intersection. And every week we want to keep coming back to it, reorienting ourselves and reorienting our life and remembering who God has invited us to be. See, to be invited to a supper, we might think, well, I don't want to be an imposition. And I've heard that, and I thought that myself, but let me tell you, if I ever invite you over to my house, and I've invited a few people in the time that we've lived here, I've wanted to do more, but it's 2020. And I hope I will get around to having more of you in our home because one thing Lisa and I enjoy doing is allowing you to be our guest and inviting you to sit around our table. And in that moment, we extend a little part of who we are and say, come and share in it. And you bring what you have as well. And we'll all sit around the table. And whenever you sit around the table eating, there's a head of the table And for us, that is unquestionably Jesus. Jesus is the head of the table, but it's a table where we gather as equals, where we are all participants, where we all share. Nobody is left out. Nobody's not good enough. 
Nobody's relegated to a different table. No, it's, it's a spiritual table, but a singular table that we gather around and we say, come and share with us. And for God, it's not an imposition. As a matter of fact, God wants us there. And we might even think, well, do I need to bring anything? And, you know, if you come into our house, I might say, oh, sure, bring a dessert, bring a bread, bring a salad, whatever, like you might say to us. But the most important thing is just you bring yourself. And when it comes to the Lord's Supper, we don't bring anything else. We can't add to it. We can't make it better. It has every sustenance we could hope for, the very body and blood of Jesus. And God just says, come and share, partake of my table, receive my blessings, be my children, and I will be there with you. And that's a promise. And every single Sunday when we come together to take it, Sometimes we might be in a more focused mindset than others, but let me tell you, every single time, I believe that God is here acting upon our hearts. Unless we're just totally dismissive and are doing it just for cramming food into our mouth or thinking about me in the moment, and that was a problem in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But God, if we are there, you know, with... Even a fraction of the spirit and the heart and the mindset we should have, I believe God comes and meets us there. And the more we appreciate that, the more we think about it, the better it is. But every time, every Sunday, even though we can't see Him, even though we don't necessarily even feel Him, I believe God is here as long as we are opening up the table to all the other brothers and sisters in Christ who are gathered, saying, come, let's share together. In Matthew chapter 26, we see Jesus having the supper with his disciples. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, giving it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And after taking the cup and giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood, the blood of the covenant that is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, this is the night before Jesus' crucifixion, before his arrest and trial and overnight, and then the next day, is when he's going to be hanging on the cross. And the last thing he wants to do with his disciples is invite them to his table. Say, come and sit and eat and share. And don't just share in just any meal, but this is a special meal. And while they took it, it was the Passover, but Jesus brings new meaning to the Passover, saying, this is my body and my blood, not just some sheep from a long time ago, whenever they put the blood over the doorpost in Israel, that was pointing to who Jesus was and his body and his blood that ushers in a new covenant. And the thing about it is, in this meal, in this moment that he tells us to remember him from now on, he provides all we need, that there is nothing lacking the table is spread and we would say it's full 
but not with a hundred different dishes for what might pique your interest of your taste buds, no, but the two things that will bring you life, the two things that will open up you into a new future, the two things that will save your very souls, his body and his blood given for you. And it's just enough. Now in worship, we often just take a little bit. We want to be careful not to overindulge because that was a problem in the early church that Paul wrote again in the book of Corinth, in the book to the Corinthians. He says, don't come together and get drunk off this. It's not what it's about. And don't come together and just stuff your face. It's not what it's about. At the same time, be joined around a table and realize that the important thing is not how much you get, but what it is and who you're doing it with. It's the body and the blood of Jesus. And you were in Jesus' very presence and you were in the presence of all the others who depend upon that body and blood just as much as you do. And I'm so thankful that as Churches of Christ, we choose, we prioritize doing it every single Sunday. And we take this moment to intersect God because this is the road God's laid out right in front of us to keep coming back to. Baptism we do once. Uh, and that moment begins us on a new trajectory, on a new life. But the Lord's Supper we come back to again and again and again and again and we do it together because it has everything we need. It reinforces and draws us into the very grace that is available in the body and blood of Jesus. At the end of the Gospel of Luke, we get this amazing story about two disciples walking and talking after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now that very day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and debating these things, Jesus himself approached and began to accompany them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So as these two disciples are walking, Jesus himself comes up beside them, but they don't know it's him. And they're talking about Jesus, and Jesus comes up and innocently asks, what you talking about? And they said, haven't you heard what's going on? How Jesus of Nazareth was crucified, and now some of his disciples, some of the other guys are saying that he rose from the grave, and we don't know what to think, we don't know how to take this. And, they, and Jesus shows them in Scripture that that's exactly how God always intended it, but even still, he's this God that's teaching them, but they don't know who he is. Not yet. It's getting late, and they say, hey, come and stay with us that offer of hospitality that's so important throughout the New Testament and should be important for us. And they say, come, hey, it's getting late. Come and stay with us and we'll talk some more. And they sit down and they eat together. When he had taken his place at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. At this point, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Then he vanished out of their sight. 
It is not an accident that in the moment when they are eating with Jesus, gathered at the table and eating the bread that he himself is breaking, that their eyes are opened and they realize the significance of who they're with in the moment that they're sharing it. And I would say, I, I believe that when we are around the table, whenever we take the bread and the cup, and again, we do it with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, I know that you're worshiping from home and you might not be able to take it in the group that would you want to, but we are together in spirit in this moment. And whenever we take it together, our eyes are open for we see, we are reminded what is important, who is important, what the story of our faith is all about. It's about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we behold our resurrected Lord because he is at the head of the table. Now on a Sunday morning, whenever we're gathered together, different men will pray over the bread and pray over the cup. And it's a great thing that we have many of the men in the congregation taking part and willing to do that and often to give a message, read some verses that go along with that. But make no mistake, it's always Jesus who breaks the bread. It's always Jesus who hands it out that this isn't just the bread that we bought out of the church budget and we're sharing in this moment. No, this is the body of Jesus himself. And he's the only one who can truly give it. And this isn't just some grape juice that we purchased and poured into smaller containers. No, for us, in our hearts and in our minds, this is the blood of Jesus himself and only he can give it. He blesses it. He makes it what it is. Whenever we take it with open hearts, we see Jesus. He's right there. He's in our midst, just as he was with these disciples on the road to Emmaus. When I was sitting down making the schedule of when I would preach which lesson, and the first week was intersecting God in unexpected ways. Last week it was intersecting God in the water, and this week, the third week, intersecting God at the table, and it was no accident that I wanted to do this one in the Sunday leading up to Thanksgiving. A very old word in the church is Eucharist. The Catholics still use it, but it's not. The, the Catholics didn't invent it. It was around from the earliest Christians. Some even think that Paul would have used that word to talk about the Lord's Supper. And he does use the word, whether he's talking about Eucharist as far as the Lord's Supper or about Eucharist and just in simple meaning, that's up for debate because the meaning is Thanksgiving. It's thanksgiving. Whenever Jesus took the bread and broke it, he gave thanks. When he blessed the cup, he gave thanks. And so the earliest term that many of the Christians would use, along with the Lord's Supper, they called it that too. They'd call it Eucharist, which in their language was just thanksgiving. That this is the moment when we give thanks for all that God has done for us, particularly and especially what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. How he has brought us into the family of God, how he has cleansed us and saved us and given himself as a sacrifice to take away our sins. All of that is wrapped up into this moment and the beautiful word they use is Eucharist. Thanksgiving, 
I love things. I love our holiday of Thanksgiving. I love a good turkey and all the trimmings that come with it. I love gathering as a family. And as far as ideologically, it is my favorite holiday. Now, I love Christmas. I don't maybe love it as much as Lisa. She likes to decorate for Christmas. Well, we've already got a tree up. I'll go ahead and confess. Uh, I don't know if she needs prayers or I do. But anyway, we're, we already are you know, full headlong into the Christmas season. But I, I, I never want to miss the, the beauty of the moment of Thanksgiving. Because that really is what God calls us to. Be thankful. And Jesus himself gave thanks as he instituted the Lord's Supper, as he shared in that moment. And I don't really like the word instituted because it's far too cold. He was having a meal. He was sharing intimately. He was, Jesus was there intersecting with the lives of his disciples in this critical moment, and they're doing it intimately. And the atmosphere was one of thanksgiving. You know, we think about the Lord's Supper and what atmosphere, what mindset we should have, and some would lean more toward reverential solemnity. Some would lean more toward celebration. And I would say, really the atmosphere given to us in Scripture is a combination of both. It's thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for. Now, on Thanksgiving, we have a little pumpkin at our house that we often write around. Everybody will say the things throughout November that they're thankful for, and we'll write them down and fill up, you know, this plastic pumpkin with writing on it by the end of the month and everybody. And there's things on there like mom, dad, the dog, our house, um, you name it. But in our Thanksgiving that we experience week in, week out at the church, the focus is specific. And it's on the greatest blessing, the greatest gift God has ever given. His own son. And the death, burial, death, burial and resurrection, which is for us the good news. The good news of a king who conquered death. The good news of a savior who rescued us out of darkness the good news of providing everything we could ever want to have in eternity based on the body and blood of Jesus. And good news is the word euangelion. You is good, euangelion is message. So good message, good news. That's our gospel, the word for gospel. Eucharist. You know what it combines? Good grace. Chorus is grace. And grace and thanksgiving are connected. As we experience grace, we are filled with the overflowing, having a spirit of thankfulness. It can't be otherwise. It's only natural for this good grace, this good gift that we've received, that we then pour back out our thankfulness. And in that moment, 
as we receive what God has given and then give thanks in the very reception of it, we meet God. We intersect his good grace. And week after week after week after week, it's not just a, a mental reminder. It's not just a, a habitual ritual that we follow because we're told to. No, it's a moment where we come together as a body and we come together with God himself, with Jesus, our Lord, our King, the Messiah, God made flesh, who is now ascended up into heaven. But every time we take the Lord's Supper, his spirit is right here. And for that, we give thanks. For that, we look forward to it. I don't know how much we maybe would look forward to the sermon. Hopefully, you get something out of it. That's my prayer. And I hope we look forward to the songs. And I hope that we look forward to the scripture readings and the prayers and the Bible classes and the other reasons we might come together, the other things we do when we come together, but the reason we come together. The thing we should really look forward to is sitting at the table with Jesus and with our brothers and sisters in Christ because the table's big. And there's enough for everyone because the body and the blood of Jesus never run out. Not way back in the time of the disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, they ate it and their eyes were opened. And these many, many, many centuries and even millennia later, there's enough to go around. There's enough for us to say, come and share in Jesus. He's all you need. Let's give thanks and receive the body and the blood of our Lord.